and welcome to Reptory Screenings episode 35. I'm your host, Em, and with me, I'm your host, Jackson. Movies. And Destiny. Cinema. It's Christmas Eve. This is our Christmas episode. It might come out on Christmas Day if I decide to edit tonight. You that boy. What day is it? Yeah. Well, it's Christmas Day, and we're here to talk about films. Why, sir? It's Christmas Day today, sir. Jackson. It's Christmas Eve. Yes. No, no, nah. Nah. <laughs> Punishing yeah. you by asking you first. What movies have you watched in the last three weeks? It's been three weeks no, since we recorded. No. Gaming. I've been gaming. We watched... Um, you know, uh, G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra for Blockbusters, which is back, and I watched Knights of Cabiria for this, and I was uh, going to watch another movie you watched uh, today, uh, but I was not able to get a hold of it in time, because um, yeah. you watch a Chinese movie that's like not on streaming in the UK, and uh, I'll find it. I'll, I'll get to it. It is. It, you're very adamant that I should watch this movie, so yeah. you, you do not get like that very often. When you're very, no. very The last time you did that was for a uh, 1970s B-movie literally no one's ever heard of called The House of the Dead, and you were like, you literally have oh, to watch Oh, it was specifically for that middle part with the two yeah. detectives fighting each other, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I got to the first half, and I was like, oh, this is interesting, like, POV stuff and, like, found footage things going on here, and, and uh, then I got to the detectives, like, oh, no, never mind, never mind, I completely understand why. Uh, so I assume this movie also has something profoundly well, stupid in it. I, um, I paused the movie 20 minutes in and said, you need to get this one. This, yes. one's, uh, this, one's, this one's for you. Um, well, I guess I'll just talk about that movie and I'll let Destiny yeah. go, because I got so many other movies. Uh, that movie is Pegasus, the 2019 film by uh, director Han Han. It's a Chinese film. Um, it is about a driver... Uh, who is like a world rally champion, national rally champion. Anyway, uh, he gets caught street racing and loses his like racer's license and is in disgrace and all his sponsors pull out or whatever. And so he goes and basically like soft retires, um, gets a restaurant. He has a kid. And five years later, his suspension is up and he's going to he tries to get his license back and get the band back together and get back in the racing game. Um, and it's fucking incredible. That sounds Can't, like cinema to me. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, that that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds exactly like the kind of movie I'd like anyway. Um, yes. So excited for that. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of good movies in the last three weeks, but that is uh, one that I was like, Jackson, you got to watch this one. <laughs> if you're in the uh, US, it's on like Amazon Prime and Netflix, uh, but it's harder if you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Dusty, you get to go. I watched um, De La Mille, which is uh, Diana Peralta's first movie from 2019 about this trio of siblings. Um, two of them are sisters. Their names are Rhea and Car- Rita and Carolina, and they live in New York City. And then they have a brother named Dante, who lives in the Dominican Republic. And their father dies, so they have to go back to the Dominican Republic to, like, clean out his childhood home. And it kind of, as they're, like, uncovering stuff, they, like, kind of reveal some of the tensions between them and uh, the joys between them. And and it's just one of those, like, quiet little movies about family. Uh, I really liked it, even though it was very, 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 like, languid and, and... very slow but it was nice it was good um it made me think about my relationship with my own siblings uh i'm the oldest of three and uh there's definitely this like 
dynamic of like one minute you're teasing each other and the next dynamic you're just dancing together and laughing together and then you're like back at each other's throats again and I feel like the movie was really good at capturing that kind of dynamic yeah Yeah. that's cool yeah it was good good first feature Mm -hmm. And, and I like that she actually like uh the director is from the Dominican Republic and like filmed it at her grandmother's her late grandmother's house so it was just like this really intimate sort of shoot mm-hmm. but yep that's the movie i watched um i have so many movies i decide to just pick play the hits uh so uh apologies about that um some of the movies i already talked about i talked about on around the long fire which you can find in normal mapping network because we talk about movies there sometimes <laughs> Yeah. So uh, please check that out if you're curious about movie talk, because lately every podcast has been movie talk. <laughs> you went so hard into movie mode. Well, also, cause... everyone's really excited to get back to being able to talk about movies after six months and not That's being true. able to. That's true. That's, That's very true. Because uh, um, all podcasts were taking a bit of, bit of time off with the movies. For yep. nothing! Thanks, SAG! But whatever. Um, I will briefly say I watched Benedetta, the Paul Verhoeven movie. I thought it was really bad. Um, I don't have a lot to say because that one we did talk about on ALF and, um, you know, whatever. I feel like that's a movie that everyone who knows was going to see it, saw it already, um, but didn't like it. Thought it was bad. Like annoyingly bad. Like there's like three different movies that could have been good and you made a mixture of all three and it's bad. Um, so there's that. Um, in terms of good movies, I watched May, December, the Todd Haynes movie, Mm -hmm. um, starring Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore and Charles Melton. Um, which is about, uh, Julianne Moore is like loosely based on, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mary Kay Letourneau. Yes. Who was a teacher who slept with one of her students when he was like 12 and went to jail for it or whatever. This is slightly different in that she, she was like, she worked at a pet store and like they hired this kid on when he was like 12 or 13 as like part-time help. Um, and then she slept with him and then went to jail cause they got caught. Um, but she was already pregnant. And she had the kid. And when she got out of jail, they got married and just have been together like for 20 years. Um, and Natalie Portman is an actress who's coming to play her in a movie. Like she agreed to be in this movie about her life. Um, and he's like talking, like interviewing them over like a long, like a week or whatever and studying them and uh, to play her better. Um, and it's just about this very weird family with a lot of like baked in trauma and it's like right at the point where their kids are going off to college they're like uh, their eldest is already in college and the, the they have like two younger kids that are about to go off to college so i think are twins or something um and uh he's you know closer in age to the the kids than he is uh his wife and uh, he's great in it charles melton is this breakout role in this he's incredible i hadn't seen him in anything because he was in uh what's the archie show uh why can't Riverdale. i think of Riverdale. Riverdale. yeah that was his big like he played Reggie in that. Um, that's his big role before this. Um, but he's fucking good. Um, the movie's great. Um, I feel like it plays to me. It's like, <clears throat> there's been a lot of, I feel like when I looked in, there's been a lot of weird back and forth on, is this a comedy? Is it like a really sad tragedy? I'm like, it's, it can be both. It can be both very easily. Yeah, those are not mutually exclusive at all. Yes. Um, and I think both are given a good, like it, the, the comedic parts, uh, do not rob the dr- drama of it's like, 
impact, right? Like they're not mm-hmm. making fun of the, the very serious, weird family dynamic, but also the whole Natalie Portman is kind of a bad actress who is being a bit of an ambulance chaser, trying to play this woman and her broken ass family uh, is a thing that is present here. And that part's really good and crunchy. Um, Cause she plays, she basically plays someone who's like coming off of a, like a fucking awful, like procedural television show. That's like her big claim to fame before she's making this movie about this lady. Uh, she's just a very bad, she's both a bad person and a bad actress. And, uh, a lot of the discourse about this movie is clicking into place. Now that I realize it's a not, not a story about like an abusive family in, in isolation it is about hollywood colliding with it as like yes. a narrative okay yes. that, clicking literally every argument i've seen <laughs> disparately over the last three weeks into place in one one move yeah um uh, then i watched beyond the infinite two minutes which is a 2020 japanese film by junta yamaguchi um which so one movie uh, me and destiny watched a couple years ago people were talking about was called one cut of the dead which is like this uh movie about this like family who wants to make a zombie movie and it's all like them making the movie and the movie itself all like intercut in like a one of those faux the camera never cuts away even though clearly there's like 800 cuts hidden in it um kind of movies um but apparently it kicked off a whole like subgenre of this kind of film in japan which i did not know about until reading up on this after i watched it I and mean, this is about a kind of down on his luck loser guy who owns a cafe and lives above the cafe and he's like in a band and um he's like you know probably late 20s early 30s or whatever and he goes he quit you know he stops his job one day and he goes home he goes upstairs to go home and it turns out that his computer monitor in his bedroom has somehow created a weird wormhole into the television in the cafe but on like a two minute delay so he when he's in his bedroom he can see what's happening two minutes into the future downstairs i bet Um, a lot of stupid ass shenanigans can proceed from this well yeah unfortunately (laughs) like immediately his like friends find out about it and they decide they're gonna like use it to try to get rich um they're like that's That's too uh, oh like with with a fucking here's the here's the way they end up fixing this is they bring the monitor downstairs and point it at each other and begin to create like this loop where in these succession loops it's two minutes more into the future so if, oh, for fuck's sake. Yes. <laughs> of course they do. And it goes it goes really hard on this, even though the movie's like 70 minutes long. It, it like does a lot of permutations of this idea. It's really good. Um I like- quite enjoyed it. Uh, I I'm people when I asked for recommendations, this is the one that was the, maybe the most recommended movie. I'm not as over the moon about some parts of it, uh, which I don't want to give away necessarily. Um eh. I think that there's a certain type of media that's just about like a sad sack guy and how much uh, he really wants a girlfriend that would fix him that I don't vibe with. And that's definitely a part of this movie, but I do love it. It's just like a low budget, like sci-fi thing that's incredibly charming when it's about that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that uh, that is like, a you know, prevalent yes. in a lot. <laughs> you can't yes. really avoid, avoid that when you're looking at yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you'd really like this one, Jackson. Uh, you would no, also I'm, be annoyed I'm, at the weird romance subplot. <laughs> of course I would, but I'd be like, well, you know, I liked Primer, but he's a sex creep. and I." This is much better than Primer in terms of like just being a lighthearted movie that you just watch and have a good time with. Uh, yeah, but you just, just said like, oh, well, there's this one sci-fi premise and they immediately start laying on top of each other in ridiculous ways. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I see the, the ways it escalates as like an indie sci-fi thing. Yeah. So I'll definitely see if I can check that one out. 
Um, I watched Even Dwarves Started Small, which is a Werner Herzog movie from 1970. Is like his what? second movie. What, what, how how does he name movies? Like, what's he guys doing over there? So this is a weird one because like, so it's about like this institution. It's like not a prison. It's not a hospital, but it's like a place where it's like a place of like an overseer where people live and they're kind of controlled, right? It's like somewhere in between like a hospital and a prison, but it's not clear what it is. But everyone, everyone in the cast is a little person and that's just in the world, right? Like there's a car that drives by and the lady who gets out who's asked for directions also a little person, just like a world where everyone's a little person for whatever reason. Herzog's cooking in 1970. I don't know. He's like on some shit for no particular reason. Um, and uh, the, the, everyone in the institution, uh, when the overseer is gone, like gets rambunctious and starts some shit and like vandalizes something. And then when the overseer comes back, he's like interrogating people uh, to figure out what, who's, who did it and why. And in doing that in in, like starts a riot of everyone like barricading the overseer in the room and just going ham on the grounds and you know getting wild uh you know the part of Rudiana where all the old poor people come up and it's just like anarchy that's what this movie is yes okay yeah you know yes um and where Rudiana is about like the weird like paternalism of religious charity this to me it's hard to read into Herzog's work. He doesn't really, he's not interested in like telling you what his work means. Um, and I bring my own lens to it. Right. But to me, it's like, this is about how, um, without good, like authoritarian vision, anarchists just like sit in a pit and stab each other. <laughs> right. Which, because I'm a fucking communist, uh, <laughs> this is how I read this movie. Um, uh, but like, it's really unclear about that stuff. And like, he was 25 when he made this. Right. And it was, it's weird. Cause I watched, there's a commentary. Cause I have this, the, the big Herzog collection. I just pulled this out. It was like the first movie and I hadn't seen it. And I was like, let's throw this in. And so he's talking about it. He's like, uh, yeah, like the, the, the white supremacists in Germany hated it. The West German censors censored the movie originally. Uh, all the leftists hated it. I just made everybody mad with this one. <laughs> That's such a fucking Herzog thing to do. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so because it's like so he is so nebulous about what it means and it doesn't it doesn't have super clear ideology and you know it's made in the late 60s in germany and herzog's like a 20 like 25 i, I would say it's like muddled but i mostly liked it mm -hmm. you like see where things are reaching at even if i don't think it coheres but like i'm not gonna probably agree with the wor political worldview of any 25 year old right like that's fine um but uh, yeah, that, that, that's 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 uh, that one. Um, like I said, there's stuff I liked about it, but it is a weird one to recommend. Um, I feel like it's a kind of a, a distinctly unpleasant movie because it's just people running around like being rambunctious mm -hmm. um, in a way that um, I don't inherently take like joy in. I'm like, oh, this is exhausting to me to watch. <laughs> um, and then the last movie I've got is a movie called Deadstream from last year uh by joseph and vanessa winter i think they're a married couple um he directed it wrote it and stars in it and he is a <laughs> it's about a guy who's like a prank youtuber um like uh like the paul brothers like straight up um is what he's doing and he got canceled for being problematic and racist or whatever and all his sponsors dropped him and he, he part of his apology tour is like i need to get sponsors again so i can keep doing this i want to come back um and he gets one sponsor who agrees like an energy drink that agrees to do it if he spends a night in a haunted house and so he's live streaming him live streaming himself going to this haunted house um 
And if he can stay there the whole night, then they'll keep sponsoring him. And he's like, I really need the sponsors. The only guy who, the only people who will pay me to keep making videos. Um, and of course, it turns out the house is really haunted. Um, and it is him like, it's really weird because it starts as like a, a traditional ghost, like found footage story almost. Um, it's a little weird because he's live streaming. But, um, and I thought that they, I was like, this isn't really working for me. But it turns out that the, the ghost um, is more of like an evil dead enemy. <laughs> Because the ghost is, like, enjoying the fact that thousands, if not millions of people are watching the ghost do ghost stuff. And it's like, ah, this is, like, cool for me also, right? Like, doesn't express it extremely. But, like, the point is, like, once she realizes that the that she's being streamed, she's way more invested in continuing the stream and tormenting this guy. Um, <laughs> and thus it falls into the uh, classic Evil Dead category of movies about a guy being covered in various types of goop. One of my favorite subgenres <laughs> of horror movie. Hell Yeah. As she just torments this stupid man as uh, he tries to get chat to help him figure out how to, like, exercise this demon from this house. <laughs> uh, incredible. So he gets like he gets like sent videos that people are uploading like to YouTube while he's streaming about like, oh, uh, this thing you found. This is like this incantation. And it's like a fucking like 12 year old who just happens to know Latin, like sending this video. <laughs> um as he's trying to like, you know, use chat to defeat a ghost, which chat does is uh, annoying. It doesn't know what they're talking about half the time. And it's hard to sift what is useful from bad information. And uh, I thought it was really fun. Uh, I had a pretty good time with it. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Clearly made by people uh, who know about live streaming, like actually. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Because you tell me all of the live streaming movie, I'm like, well, that that seems like it's a tough. It has the thing that every one of these, every one of these live streaming movies I've ever seen has, where the viewer counts are like totally out of control. Like by the end, there's like five million people watching, and I was like, if five million people are watching a live stream, it would be a global event. How many? (laughs) Hang on, how many people watched Drake play Fortnite that one time? Uh, Drake Fortnite viewers. It was like on the Ninja stream. Okay, Uh, when Drake teamed up into the Ninja Fortnite stream. Uh, Ninja stream topped out at 628,000 concurrent yeah, viewers. That's like that's like one of the biggest streams in the entire world. Like streams just don't get numbers like that. Five uh, million. Oh. I, I think you might. I think hey, this guy's being killed by an actual demon might get some fun. But you know what? It would probably take a while. I think people would be like, no, yeah. they're not. I think someone will quote to you like, uh, this is why we're not watching the guy get killed by the demon in the house. <laughs> well, yes, I mean a lot of chat is like, as stuff starts cooking off, like, oh yeah, great special effects. So uh, this guy's lying. I'm sick of this shit. You know, um, not buying it. Um, it's good. I think it's a totally fun one of these. Um, nice. Yeah, that's it for me in movies. Uh, cool. Well, that's me. I'm almost done with The Sopranos. I have five episodes left. That's what I'm actually spending most of my time doing. Yeah, between watching those movies, you're also constantly watching The Sopranos. So yeah, cinema all the way down. Yeah, should be done by the next time. So maybe me and Destiny we can get into watching that prequel movie that uh, nobody seems to care about. <laughs> it looks oh, yeah, no bad. One, no one likes it. No one likes it. It's weird because like I, I remember like it being critically well received, and then it came out and nobody actually cared. Um, I thought it was poorly received. I thought it was well Same. received, but then it didn't actually hit. Oh, oh see, I, I thought it was I, poorly received. Yeah, I just thought it was just kind of not not liked. I didn't I didn't know the difference. Yeah, I don't. Because I, I, I don't know. We'll find surprise. out. I'll be able to tell you in like a week or two yeah, weeks, that's, probably. That's true. Anyway, uh, that's it for me. So I guess we can get our movie this time. This was uh, Destiny's pick, right? Yes, it was. Uh, we watched this week Knights of Cabiria, uh, the 1957 movie by Federico Fellini. Uh, starring uh, Giulietta Messina, his wife. Uh, 
this uh, this is your first Fellini, right, Jackson? That's right. Uh, why don't you tell us what it's about? Uh, this is about Caberia, uh, a sex worker in uh, 50s Italy, uh, works on the street in Rome, who is pushed into the river by her boyfriend, uh, who steals all her money and leaves her to drown. Uh, she is saved uh, and returns home and has to overcome uh, this like traumatic event and goes through some nights, as like the uh, name of the movie implies. And initially, like... First little like episode is about uh, meeting this actor in a club who's like dis- discarding his old girlfriend and just like hooking up with him briefly and going to like the world where the rich live and uh, maybe she'd be like she'll find a place there but then his old girlfriend comes back and uh, they reconcile and she's just taken home and returns back to the old world and the cycle continues. Um, they uh, she goes with her friends to like uh, the, um, the the Virgin Mary at a mass like a procession. Yes. Uh, and like is very earnest about her like wishes and is offended that the other people seemingly are neither earnest about the wishes nor have changed their entire lives. And her entire life has also not changed, but she believes in it. She believes that will happen. It has to happen uh, one of these days. Um, uh, the last arc is about her going to uh, this magic show where someone's like, ooh, uh, you have to you're going to be hypnotized and you're going to see the perfect man and that perfect man is called Oscar and then she meets Oscar uh, outside and Oscar like flirts with her and, and continues to like try to date her and, and uh, just talks to her constantly and is basically really nice to her uh, and she agrees to marry him sells her house uh, puts uh, the money in a dowry and they uh, meet up together and go uh, to get married and she's like he didn't even ask for the money but uh uh, that's this is the dowry I'm going to go do. It. I'm going to go be in the future. Uh, this, this future without, I'm, I'm you know no longer living on on the in a shitty house and working the streets. I'm married. I've, I've I've found the truth of it. And then he's like, "You should put the money in your purse." And I'm like, "Fuck's sake!" And they spend ten <laughs> minutes dragging it out, dragging it out <laughs> as they go for a walk. Uh, and you're like, "Oh, I know exactly how this movie's going to end," but it actually doesn't. And then uh, she he takes her to like the edge of a uh, of the cliff and. She, instead of being pushed in, which is how I thought it was going to go, uh, she realizes uh, he's about to push him in uh, and just fucking breaks and falls down and he takes the money and leaves uh, and has been abandoned once again, kicked back down to the bottom uh, and like begs begs him to kill her, but he doesn't even do that uh, and is left alone uh, on the side of the cliff and walks back uh, towards civilization as she heads to a road and there's like a group of young people hanging out, singing, being Italian, I guess. <laughs> Just as they do. Ciao. Yes. Uh, and she like turns to the camera and smiles as like a single black tear falls down. And that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, on some level, this movie is uh, Julietta Messina channeling Charlie Chaplin's little tramp character, ushering Fellini from Italian neorealism into his like romantic dramas that he would spend the rest of his life making. <laughs> that is also a one sentence summary of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, it's I, I, I really liked it. So the first my, my main initial reaction was um, to just turn to a parody of like, man, no serious movies ever made in color, clearly. Because like, <laughs> this yeah. movie looks fucking beautiful. I guess I assume that's just like a thing with Fellini. That's why he's one of the really beloved uh, filmmakers of his era. And I'm like, damn, I got to watch more of his shit because this is a beautiful movie. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're a little... Sp- I don't know. This is uh, my favorite Fellini. I've seen a couple. Okay. This is like immediately like, oh, this is the one. Fucking let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
like I've seen like eight and a half and I've seen La Strada, which is, came out, uh, won the Oscar for best foreign film in America literally a year before this came out and won the best Oscar for best foreign film. Um, just like a, you know, twofer for them. Uh, also stars uh, Juliana Messina. Um, and it's about like the wife of like a circus guy who's just like her life sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good. It's a really sad movie, though. Um uh i feel like this is a little more lighthearted than Lestrada is in my memory um uh but i did like Lestrada a lot also um but yeah it is a beautiful fucking movie yeah uh just to look at with your eyes you're like man all right cinema is about looking at images that are on the screen uh, and they can be beautiful <laughs> yes um, and that was my just like initial just like blown away at that uh man i love the cinema yes uh, not only is it like a lot of great filming around rome uh right you just shoot in the real place and it looks incredible um it's also a director shooting his wife, which is my one of my favorite subgenres of film. Me too. <laughs> uh, and also, she just has some of the best faces that I've ever seen anybody have in cinema, period. Yes. Yeah. She's just so expressive. Uh, and her acting is like often just like makes a face to camera. And that's enough to carry like a whole wealth of emotions. It's really good. Yeah, she's that. That was the first thing that struck me when we put this on like immediately. It was just like, oh, my God, her face. Yeah, as she, uh, you know, has misadventures through, uh, you know, all of Italy. Uh, she sure does. It's, 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 she's, she's doing her best. The bit where she, the, the, like, the rich guy takes her home, but then his girlfriend shows up, so he puts her in the bathroom, and she falls asleep with the dog in the bath, the, the, the bathroom dog, because there's multiple dogs in the house, but one just lives in the bathroom, apparently, uh, that wakes her up. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Uh, it's really funny. It's really this movie's really funny. It's it's yes. like uh, a lot of comedy. Even even like the grand tragedy at the end is like played out. So it's so thuddingly obvious what's going to happen that it just becomes like its own form of cringe comedy for like ten yes, minutes. You just, yes, you just watch her play into fate cycling over again, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's like one of the movie's best elements, right? It's not dour. It's not like. It's not doing the fucking bicycle thieves neorealism, right? <laughs> no, no, no. And like the way it, the way it processes like this sort of like Catholic idea of like can people change and be redeemed is to like kind of laugh and shrug and go, this is human nature. It is just the grand cycle going again. Uh, yeah. Because um, there's a whole bit where like they they she goes and she's like I want all of me and my all of my friends to be better and they go to a picnic and everyone's frolicking around she's like nobody's changed everyone's still an asshole <laughs> <laughs> which I love I think that's so good yeah that's how I feel daily <laughs> <laughs> no revelation for her unfortunately yes um, yeah that stuff is good because like she is is uh, like a, a on purpose like a clownish character right like very exaggerated in all these heightened situations as the world around her is like flatly destitute <laughs> or way too rich <laughs> like there's yes. a bit um this a bit apparently was like censored when the, the when the movie originally came out is the sequence where she's going around with the guy who just brings supplies to people who live in literal holes in the ground um because they're they don't have a home like there's homeless people who live in like these little caves in in a field and he goes around and brings them blankets or like food or whatever um and she just kind of like hangs out and watches him do that for a bit yeah she's like just kind of witnessing the unfairness of the world a lot yes yeah like she runs into somebody she knows and like used to be really glamorous and she's like living down there yeah yeah 
there's a bit where she sells her house and the family who buys it is just like the most like cartoonishly poor. They've got like six kids and all their supplies are packed up on a truck uh, family that desperately needs a place to live. I'm sorry. Like we watched The Jerk last time and it's basically like a bit out of that movie. That's how much it is. Yes. <laughs> just like when like, oh, here's a stereotype, but it's instead of, you know, the poor black family, there's a poor Italian poverty land. Yeah. The, so one of the things I actually was thought very striking about this movie and not necessarily this movie in this is because it's the one I watched, uh, but this is a thing it shares with specifically uh, mid to early century movies also from Japan and uh, I guess California, um, like areas where like urbanism is for certain poor areas, just a fucking train line in the in a field. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. which is just not something I see in like movies from my own country because right? that's just not how like British urbanism happens. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just brings a certain like cinematic quality of like just destitution to, yeah. to how it's portrayed. Like I think about like Ozu movies and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. not not by the the fifties and sixties in Japan's a little like more built up, but that's where she lives. She lives in that fucking. It's a field, and we put a house in the middle of it. Yeah, she gets to own a house, but work in the city because there's a train line that runs between her field where all of her friends live in these little one room houses and the city. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just otherwise. Aesthetic. Otherwise, yeah. she'd also be in a hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's just an aesthetic. I feel so. Uh, specific and like there are a few places where like this was the cinema industry was big this was also how the urbanization happened uh, and it's an image that stuck with me and across a few different like you know national cinemas that happen to be the big ones that I'm also watching right like Italy and Japan are pretty important cinema wise also like the the concept of suburbs don't exist yet right right yeah (laughs) right um yeah, it's interesting because like the the area that they like it's her and her friend who lives across the way. They're both they both you know do sex work and have these houses they can only afford because they're in the sticks. Um, uh, and that stuff that the energy of that is like really good because you know she puts on her one fur coat and goes in the city every night to hang out with all the other people. Most of which have like there's a guy who's like bought a nice new car and he's just hanging around looking like look at my nice new car every night. That's his whole thing. That's his whole deal. That's his personality. <laughs> Uh, I've known many such guys. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, just the incredible vibes of like the small little community she hangs out with, and doesn't really like any of them. No, um, but you know that's what you do when you're young and you found your like people of people you hang out with, uh, and you go to your thing every night, and it kind of sucks, but you know them and you get familiar with them, and then it's sad when they go. Uh, I love um, the stuff with like the the friend she sees the most. It's mostly just extremely rude to, but yeah. oh, um, Wanda, in yeah. Wanda, yes. Uh, and she's very... the one who's like, don't you, you like the most distraught that she's leaving with this guy. Like, how how could you do this? We're we're like living our lives. This is our best selves. Um, well, cause she's also telling ones like, no, I'll I'll write to you and you'll get a job too. And it's like, oh no, no, Kaberia, no, 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 no. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The whole time she's like, oh, I, like I bought this new hat and I bought these nice lace gloves. I'm like living the life of like a middle class woman now. Suddenly like putting on the signifiers of that, like leaving yeah. her fur behind. <laughs> Only to once again get almost thrown in a river. Uh, it's it's fucking bad. It's 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 a bad time for her. Yes. Mm hmm. Should not have uh, listened to this. Uh, not actually that charming guy from who works for the government. <laughs> I didn't know it was uh, that easy to like, you know, score baddies by going up to them and going, "Yes, I really like you, and I will listen to you at any time." Uh, which uh, apparently that just works. Uh, 
did not realize that he had the source to, 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 to get. Yeah, I mean, he does hit her up at the, like, the most vulnerable point where she has this really awful experience at the hypnotist um, where she feels like betrayed. And he immediately is like, no, I understand your soul. And we're and she's like dodging her friends like her friends are waiting for. Her, and she's like waited for the entire theater cloud. Be like, oh, my friends are gone. Thank God. I hate those guys. And they're like down the street waiting for her. Yes. And she's like, oh, no. And then the guy talks to her. She's like, OK, let's go together so I can avoid all of those assholes. Uh, silly yes. stupid very silly yeah well, one of the ladies like where the the spot where she hangs out to like pick up you know clients is just another lady who stands across the street berating them all night uh, <laughs> that lady it's was awesome. really funny it's really funny <laughs> this is um a dynamic that has like just just continues to exist online i guess I yes. in person as well. <laughs> but there's just like a certain small community dynamic where there's a someone who hates you uh and then your rivalry just becomes part of your life and then if they're gone you're like well it feels wrong without him mm. <laughs> it's the lady who's down on the other side of the street and now yells at us she's one of us damn it yeah yeah um and like the handsome movie star guy she picks up is a famous movie star the name is like his name is amadeo nazari and the character's name is alberto lazari like it's basically <laughs> him with a fake like a, just a barely fake name playing himself because he was like like he's like from like the classical era he was like just one of the italian screen legends oh. as this like kind of washed up movie star guy who picks her up <laughs> that's fun yeah um i think that stuff is all really good <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love the uh, the actor stuff. First of all, like I think that's some of the best like shot stuff in the movie. Mm. Um, I just think all of that looks like beautiful. I love her well, like coming into that world and being like, "What the fuck are all these people well, doing?" Yeah, he takes her to this club where like uh, it's like it's like one of those like you got to be a member to get in bits. And she goes to the doorman. He's like clearly like I'm with him. And he's like, "Yeah, go in. I know you're with him. He just walked in. Uh, not used to getting like a permission to enter places like that. And then inside is just like like cartoonishly rich bored people watching like a weird racist tribal dance of these two black women um and he's not even paying attention he just like slams three drinks and leaves yeah he appears to hate literally every second of his life yes. yeah <laughs> in a way that's very funny yeah because it's not like it's not about the um because it's all from Kabir's perspective, so it's not about, like, the tragic ennui of being rich. It's about a poor person witnessing the tragic ennui of being rich and being like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's just extremely confused uh, as this guy is, like, at his low point in life. Because there's the incredible scene where, like, after the, like, racist performance or whatever, they just do a natural dance. And she's the only one that, like, actually dancing. And everyone looks at her like, how quaint. Someone, like, enjoying the music and dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody does that here. It's We're here to look bored and smoke. Uh, yeah. But they're not like cross with her. Right? They're not like, oh, who is this no. like interloper? They treat her with total like, oh, what a, what a lovely specimen here today on the floor. Yes. <laughs> Rich people. Rich people. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have that much else. This movie's really good, though. Yeah, some of your rules. Um, yeah. Uh, though I did have one uh, cartoonish reaction to it, which is I didn't really like the ending. <laughs> Why? 
Um, well, I just thought the ending was a bit pat. I was like, well, why is she happy now? Like, she looks at the camera and is like smiling. And it just felt a little like the human spirit can never be broken. And I was like, well, why? Like, what what, did, what made her not break it? The fucking dancing Italians? Like, she had a really bad day. That would make me feel worse. Um, and I mean, this is this is like fundamental to not only Italian film, but specifically like neorealism movement to me is like, because it's like a reaction to the you know coming out of World War II is like everything was hell and yet we still get up every day and we still like laugh and live so that must say something about like the human spirit right yeah no matter how no matter how bad I feel I'm gonna fuck around and post some stupid shit online <laughs> it specifically just felt like um holding up her innocence as like this is what makes her the best of us what makes her better than I don't even think that's true I think that's I think um, this is meant to speak to everyone like oh you hit rock bottom and, the, and still something can make you smile probably. yeah the rhythms of life are sometimes you're low sometimes you you laugh uh, I just it just felt this it's just me I, just, I guess this is just a philosophical thing of how I just did not uh, and then I looked it up and thought oh this is one of the most iconic most classic endings in literally all cinema history this is the smile of all time everyone loves it the indomitable human spirit and I was like well damn fuck me I guess I <laughs> 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 felt very silly coming out of the movie and doing that because it wasn't like I disliked the movie I did the great movie I did the thing like, eh, the final shot was a bit like wasn't the direction I would have gone I was, I was hoping it would like I was, I was assuming the the final thing would be like her reuniting with Wanda because uh, I was thinking like well, Wanda's just been abandoned doesn't know this has happened to her um, and uh, yeah so that was, that was my reaction to it all that was very silly uh, that is uh, Peak Jackson to me it, yeah <laughs> yeah oh the Italian neorealist cinema took took a turn into like dreamlike optimism, and I was like, no, thank you, none for me. I think in, in, on its own, it's its own sort of like like recognition that at the end of the day, we 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 don't live in a grand tragedy. Like even if we want to, even if we are feeling awful, some stupid shit will make us laugh. And there's there's like a there's like a grace to that in the world. Uh, yeah, I, it was definitely changed by um, like just like looking at reactions because I think there are some reactions that tend that way. Fellini's own reaction tends that way. Of like, I don't know if she's going to be okay. Um, yeah, well, I found that. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, she she literally lost all of her money. Like, yeah, she, she can't go back house. to her house. She she's going to go live in a hole. Right. Yeah. yeah. She's um, gonna probably end up like the cave folk. But then I'm like scrolling through Letterbox, and I'm definitely seeing the things like she's the best of us. Uh, there was some fucking terrible review that was like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about, dude? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, here we go you ready for the this is the this review is from 2020 but it is the most 2014 review you'll ever hear in your life okay nice guy as a facade a spell to bewitch women so they'll hand over their wallets in the end the nice guy only wants to push you into the river Kaberia is big chaos energy and I love her for it I aspire to have flaws as beautiful as hers it takes a broken world to treat optimism as a flaw what <laughs> That's one of the when you sort by popularity on the letterbox reviews. That's, that's one why of I don't letterbox reviews. You, 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 they just drive me crazy. I can't. <laughs> oh I can't my anymore. god! <laughs> get talking about me. Take, take mental damage every time. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I like. I'm like, man. I should watch some other other Fellini movies. I guess. See, maybe now I'm cautioning about not being as good as this one. But I should watch like eight, eight and a this half. This is stuff. my first Fellini too. Like I've only seen like part of Eight and a Half. Eight and a half is the one most people start with. And I just think eight and a half is like not interesting to most people because it's about the psychology of a guy who has too many girlfriends. Well, I don't feel it is about the the ambivalent (laughs) rich guy. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, And yeah, that part I'm just not as uh, 
I'm not as invested in. I would right. say Lestrada is a good place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, La Dolce Vita is pretty good. Well, I want to see more of her. I want to see. I want to see more of that face. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then Lestrada is clearly the next place you should go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize they were married either. That makes yep. that makes it more interesting. Yeah. She, she, like, most of her roles were with uh, his movies because she was in some big bomb. I don't remember what it was. I was reading up on it. But she was in one movie that did really badly. And she's like, I'm just not going to work with other directors, basically. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, if oh, that's they stayed it, married. They, they, that's, yeah, yeah that's, they, were, they were married until they both died. That, that's, not, that's, like, wild to me. Because that never happens. Yeah. That ne- no, you that tell never me happens. that never happens. Famous yeah. director with their wife for the while. Must have been for like three years. No, uh, no, no. They were married. They, they, each one's only spouse and until they both died. Man, literally does not happen in cinema. So well done. Yeah. That's a that's a cheering story. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay. All right. Um, questions. If you want to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to read the emails we got. Uh, first one is from uh, Greatest Gamer, Joey, uh, who writes in. Uh, we call him greatest literally at the end here is how much longer you're going to tag on greatest gamer to my name and the answer joey's forever i asked joey i was like do you really not want me to does it bother you because i won't do it joey's like no so if you don't listen to abnormal mapping which you should it's good uh, joey won a sony contest like 15 <laughs> years ago at this point 10 years they, ago the p the ps4 oh uh, what well, i thought it was ps3 no okay um as uh, labeled their greatest gamer, there's like a painting they did of like a riff on George Washington crossing the Delaware with like a bunch of PlayStation characters. And Joey was the only one and got painted in as like the George Washington on this painting has the real painting in his house, um, has like signed consoles from the release of the PS3, PS4 and PS5 because he lives in New York. Basically, that's just what happened. He just showed up to the launches of these consoles. <laughs> yes, it is very funny. Um but uh, if you ever look up Sony's greatest gamer or ultimate game, I think it's greatest gamer. Um, you will see the photo. It's, it's like a famous marketing campaign photo. <laughs> Are you, I'm trying to Google it. I fucking can't find it. It's just bringing me up the best games. Oh, really? Sony's greatest game on PS4. My, no, nothing. Nothing's bringing this up. It's been Weird. erased. I know. I know what it is because I've seen it. It's fucking the greatest game on PS4. Image. If you just search uh, Delaware, you'll get it. I'm going to put it in the chat because I don't know if Destiny's seen it. De- I well, not. I got it from Delaware. If you search Sony Greatest Gamer Delaware, right. you get How that. How an oil painting a century old? Yes. There go. No, oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's uh, listener to our podcast, Joey, <laughs> painted into this fucking stupid painting. Congrats. <laughs> articles from 2014. Yeah. So 10 years. You're right. Well, yeah, uh, anyway. the, the guy from the orders there, so it yeah. couldn't be from the PS3. Um, An enduring childhood memory, against all reasons, being taken to the theater to watch Jumanji, and in the final shot of the movie, when the board games wash up on the beach and people hear the drums of the game, uh, some rando in the audience shouted, Jumanji Part 2! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the question is, do you have any similar, quote-unquote, magic of the cinema moments where someone yelled some stupid shit or whatever? Uh, things you only get when you're in an audience. Uh, when I saw Snakes on a Plane, at the end, when Samuel L. Jackson asks out, is it Juliana Margulies? At the end uh, of that movie, uh, some know. some guy yelled, Black Power! And <laughs> just ruined us. We were crying. That's very funny. I don't think I have like one of these, honestly. Uh, <laughs> when I was at the Prince Charles watching Thor 2 The Dark World. Oh, no. Uh, terrible movie. 
Uh, there is a bit where when fighting in... Um, I think they're in Greenwich. Yeah, they're in Greenwich. They're at the Greenwich University or something. Uh, and, but he's going through portals. And one of the portals, Comedy takes him to the tube and he gets on the tube and he's like, how many stops to Greenwich? And she's like, two stops this way. But she's clearly on the tube in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, and someone went, what the fuck? <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it was Shepherd's. It was. It was literally. It must have been um, Covent Garden or something because it was right by where the Prince Charles Cinema is. You, you, none of you care, but it was the wrong part of London, and it was so obviously wrong. It was just a ludicrous thing to say uh, at that moment. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, we have a couple questions from Nora, mostly about holidays stuff. Um, what bands or musicians who have not done a Christmas album would you most like or most dread to see make a Christmas album? There's Coldplay. this. Oh, is that yeah. a dread or like? That's yeah, a dread. It's a dread. <laughs> I don't know. For both dread and like, there's this very like prolific Australian psychedelic band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I think they would make a terrible, awesome Christmas album. <laughs> they do like five albums a year. They like jump around different genres, and they just have a lot going on. Uh, my dread would be a modern. Uh, a modern Paul McCartney Christmas album. <laughs> Inflict more Christmas on us, Paul. You already made the world's worst Christmas song. I like that <sighs> song. It's got the synths. I like the I was synths. complaining about it just this morning. As ba, 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 ba. Yeah, I hate it. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe Destiny's defending it. It's not bad. <laughs> you're it's the snobbiest catchy. person I know about music taste. And you're out here being like, oh, I love Wonderful Christmas Time. What the fuck are you talking Chris, about? <laughs> Christmas songs are not that great anyway, so... <laughs> um, what's the highest number of eggs you could eat in one day, and how would you maximize your numbers? <laughs> Nora's been on this egg stuff, like, for a week? I thought, it was our, I thought it was Chris who started this. This has been going through our friend group. Um, I don't Chris like also eggs it. that much. I don't know. Like, okay, so if I'm making myself scrambled eggs, right? Uh, and mm. I, let's say a very large portion of scrambled eggs, uh, I would consider three to be the maximum of like a normal amount. Normally I'm having one and a half for me, right? Uh, but I could see a plate. If I'm not having anything else, uh, I could put three eggs, scramble them up. Um, and that's just one meal. So I could probably easily get to 20 uh, just if we're having a lot of meals today, um, spacing them out. Okay, well, here's where I just uh, embarrass myself in front of both of you. So, Destiny knows this about me. Eggs are probably my single favorite, like, one-ingredient food item in the world. Um, I love eggs, basically, in any way you can get them. Um, and uh, I've I've had in one, like, one plate of scrambled eggs up to eight scrambled eggs before. Cleaned it right up. Easy. Um and if it's over a day and I can prepare them multiple ways, scrambles really easy. Uh, I really like deviled eggs. I never make them because there's a lot of effort and then they're gone in 35 seconds because they're just fucking you just shove them in your mouth. I love them. I think my number is probably like three to four dozen. I think I could probably do because then you run into the, just the human capacity to eat food in a day. Um, but I think I could manage that. I think I'd have a really bad time gastrointestinally. Well, yeah, but I think I could do it. <laughs> this. <coughs> pretty established like once you're over the like oh i've had five whole meals of eggs today uh you know you're just pushing the human limit already right you're just you on borrowed time it is understood this 24 hours will not be a sustainable amount of food in ingestion yeah uh have you ever had a job provide food or a party for holiday parties mine's deeply mid today how's yours nora was currently in the middle of eating bad holiday party food when she wrote this email for the record 
Never been at a job at Christmas, so no. Um, usually they're either like potluck style things where the food's just okay, or they're like catered dealies where the food is bomb. So I don't know. I've had a little bit of both. Best of both I've, worlds. I have had both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some good ones. There's one place I went to where we all went out to like a really nice place for a Christmas party. It was great. Um, nice food there. That only happened once. I don't. I don't know why that did not happen more times in my life. Um, the place we work at now, like we had a potluck kind of around Christmas, though not on Christmas because everyone's fucking gone by then. Because like everyone uses their PTO and shit around the holidays. So. We had a department Christmas party. I just didn't go because it yeah, was a golf place. Yeah, mine was at like a weird like beercade, and I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with my coworkers outside of work. <laughs> I don't dislike them, but you know, I'm not like friends like that. They love free food. Like that's the thing. My coworkers are always like, we don't care about this either, but there's free food, and I'm just like, I I'm fine. <laughs> uh, what makes a good salad to you? I used to just eat croutons dipped in ranch rather than make actual salads. Which, that sounds like a thing you would do, Destiny. Yeah, it does. That's why I'm laughing. Uh, I love croutons. I love a good cheese on mine. I love a good... I like I like a hard-boiled egg. I like spinach. I like, spinach. I like a romaine lettuce. Well, yeah, um, the secret is to get away from bad greens. Like, your greens need to be better. It'll improve yes. your salads. Yeah, if you, if you have bad salads, upgrade your greens, and it'll change everything. I like a crunch on my salad. I like a sunflower seed or a crouton. I don't really like croutons that much. I think they're fine, but I'm not oh like, excited about them. At the party last night, my family had their big Christmas party last night. There was this container of a product I had never seen before. Mini croutons? Game changer. Game oh, changer. I, 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 that's weird. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I just skipped the salad. I was like, ah. It was like a shaker of like little croutons. I was so happy. Uh, do you have any holiday movie traditions? Any holiday? We missed our Halloween Van Helsing night, but we're still on track for our Christmas morning watch of A New Hope. Because the Blake household is all Star Wars coded at all times. (laughs) Um, When I was a child, we would go to the movies every Christmas Day. Yeah, me too. So I saw a lot of movies Christmas Day. Uh, My current tradition, Em and I always pick a movie to watch Christmas Day and a movie to watch New Year's Day. Yeah, the New Year's Day one is, the rule is that it's something that neither of us have seen. Yeah, last year we watched Nope. Uh, yeah. Or this year we watched Nope, I guess I should say. And that oh, was you mean really January fun. 1st, 2023? <laughs> yes, January 1st, 2023, we watched yeah. Nope. And then last Christmas we watched uh, Fanny and Alexander. Which was great. Um, yeah. This year we're watching Barbie, uh, yeah, which we'll be doing as this episode goes up. And uh, we, don't, we don't know what the New Year's movie is yet. Yeah, if, if you have any idea, like suggestions, we'll take them. <laughs> Yeah, intuit what neither of us have seen and suggest the best movies you've ever seen in that framework. <laughs> you should do it. We believe in you. <laughs> that's fucking impossible. I know, that's why I laughed when Destiny said that. I just mean like, you know, I'm taking suggestions and if I've seen it, I'm not going to pick it. The only time uh, I've done that before is when I was like, you got to watch Chappie. Um, like sometimes I know from, from, from you know, from miles away. Um, you didn't even know how much I would like Chappie. One of the I knew how much you would like Chappie. The f- <laughs> Did you see the last five minutes of Chappie? <laughs> it is one. It is one of the best movies ever made. Um, I always knew how much you would like Chappie. Yeah. <laughs> um, you a shirt that says that. Uh, Hilver writes in, who's a director you would like to see make a Christmas movie? I don't have any Hollywood holiday movie traditions. I oh, do, I, sorry. Do you have anything? No. 
Oh, okay. Well, then, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm just sad about it. I'm just, I don't have any traditions of any kind. Because when you live, I mean, I don't live on my own. I'm with my mum, but I don't have like a family, yeah. right? So I, I would do them with another person. But it's just, but if anyone wants to fucking move in, I guess, and we can have some movie tradition, that'd be great. But uh, until then, yeah. uh, I will continue to just live a life of. of uh, as a, as a kid, I used to watch like the horror marathons that'd be on TV. Like I stopped trick or treating at like eight years old because I wanted to stay home and watch Friday Thirteenth. That's instead. not that young to stop trick-or-treating i don't think that should be said in I, that knew, I knew so many people who trick-or-treated into their teens because kids are weird like that um oh this has to be a you were trick-or-treating before the internet thing never mind yeah because it was the fucking early 90s the idea of going trick-or-treating past like seven years old to me is like well, i'm done with that oh my god i went until high school and i think i went my freshman year yeah we did because people were mad at us <laughs> um, um Oh, yeah, I forgot about my Halloween tradition. Me and my friend Lars, we always watch um, horror movies together in October. Yeah. I uh, don't like watching marathon movie stuff anymore, so I haven't done... I haven't done, like, a horror movie marathon in, like, ten years. Yeah, that's um, the only time I ever do it is with him. Uh, all right, Hilfer writes in, who is a director you'd like to see make a Christmas movie? Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to... Warren Herzog. Obviously. Oh, uh, man, that'd be pretty fucking good. I don't know. It could be serious. It could be not serious. Whatever. Uh, I'm sure he'd make a great one. Spike Jones. Oh, sure. Spike Lee. <laughs> Spike Lee seems like he should have made a Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that, like you say that and I go, yeah. like, the ha like this, really? Like he hasn't? You know, really? For no, real? I don't think so. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen every one of his movies. I'm, I'm missing like four at this point, but like, I don't think so. That just, it just feels right. It just feels yeah. right. Uh, has Michael Mann made a Christmas movie? God. <laughs> be really bad, but it'd be very happy for like six of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kyle in what current working directors are particularly special to you? Who get you? Who do you get excited just hearing they've got a new project they're working on? This I, is just no one because we're not. I don't follow yeah, modern I don't film. Follow, like I don't that. follow modern. Oh. I actually like to fix this about myself, but basically nobody. I have an answer. Yeah, okay. I always get excited when there's a new Wes Anderson. Oh, you're the one. I'm the one. I haven't even Fair watched enough. the last two. Yeah, oh, I want to watch the most very recent good. one. Yeah, everyone really likes Astro City. Uh, <laughs> oh, that wasn't even the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of French Dispatch. I forgot about yeah, yeah, the whole was... extra one behind. That yeah. one's less. The 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 new one is like really really liked. I feel like people people love that well, one a lot. I was specifically recommended French Dispatch by a friend I, who I trust. I think so. French Dispatch is better than Astrid City because it's about things I care about in a different way. Yeah, but they're both very good. Yeah, Wes Anderson stocks are high right now. <laughs> That's nice. I fell off when he made that fucking weird racist dog movie. And I heard that was good, even though it was racist. So I don't know how to feel. Yeah. Uh, Rick writes in, what's a film that you have seen that you'd most like to have seen for the first time in the cinema on the big screen? Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. That's a oh, fucking that's a good, good one. Thank you. Um, good, the bad and the ugly. Or Kung Fu Hustle, one of those. Yeah, mine's just Excalibur, oh. for the boring answer. Oh, fuck, Excalibur would be so good. Excalibur. I, just I wish saw... I would... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I saw Kung Fu Hustle in the theater. I was very lucky. Damn, man, yeah. <laughs> must be nice. Just like, imagining the curtain goes up, Excalibur <laughs> on the big screen, in front yeah. of your face, Merlin's there yelling. 
That's cinema. Yeah. I'll drop everything. Excalibur might be the movie that would get me to break my like uh, not going to the cinema during COVID thing. If if there was like Excalibur showing near me and in the, mm. on the big screen. <laughs> um, Tron writes in a couple questions. Uh, what's your favorite looking shot in this movie? Gotta pick one. I I can't pick a single one. Gotta pick one. Gotta pick one. Gotta pick one. Mm, I liked when. The hypnotist, like that whole section of the being at the hypnotist was just really well done. I don't know. I liked it. Her waking up uh, with the dog in the uh, bathroom like three hours later. And it's just oh, the pull good. out shot of the, of the ridiculous. Because yeah. the bathroom just looked, it looked like she's sitting outside a house. Yeah. <laughs> Rich people bathrooms. Uh, I think mine is uh, there's a shot of her like standing in the rain as like a car drives by and like tries to get her attention. But she's like busy being pensive and just drives away. I think that one's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what are your thoughts on the magician scene in this movie? It's really interesting to have a moment of magical realism in this film. I would never go to a hypnotist. I'm afraid of them. Going to be honest. I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. What if this exact thing happens? What if they do something and fucks up with your brain? What if hypnotism is real, but only on me in some way? You scared of that? Yes. Okay. I'm yeah. I okay sure. I wouldn't go to hypnotist because I would just be like think it was useless. I, I I'm not scared of hypnotist is gonna work. I'd be like oh it's not gonna work. Gonna I work. so one of the it's not a good movie. There's a there's a horror movie starring Kevin Bacon called Stir of Echoes where he's at a party and one of his friends does hypnotism and he's like I don't believe in that. She's like I'll show you it's real and hypnotizes him and he's like an asshole. He's like one of the classic protagonists who's an asshole. And she hypnotizes him to like have an open mind. But what that does is mean that he realizes that his house is haunted and he starts seeing a ghost. And I'm, I'm just afraid of it. <laughs> what if, what if I'm hypnotized and start seeing ghosts? <laughs> two, two levels of things that aren't real there. So I would feel I know. Sometimes you just watch horror movies as a kid and I don't even think I believe in ghosts, but I'm not going to test it. You know, I you believe in ghosts more than, more than me. Yeah, but I still I still don't think they exist. But I'm not going to like tempt fate <laughs> <You're> <laughs> because like it's me. always the asshole who's like I don't believe in ghosts. He gets murdered by a fucking ghost. Yeah, That's me. No, it's true. It's true. Only in movies, which we're not in. There's no like narrative to like own me for being rationalist over here. Just, I'm just gonna say that I, I keep a healthy respect and distance from ghosts and things that could be, cause ghosts to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> that tickle death do that. Movies that we're not in. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Uh, also, like, I just don't like not being in control of myself. So, like, even if hypnotism, you know, there's some sense that like it, it is a real thing, and they can make you like cluck like a chicken. I'm like, I don't want to do that. As far as I know, it is a real thing. Like, yeah. Suggestive stuff is real, like, but you yeah. have to be like open to it in certain ways. Yeah, and I don't want to find out that I am when someone tells me I fucking stood on a chair and like bark like a dog. You know, like yeah, this terrified. is terrified. So, yeah, not being in my control of myself is scary to me. I don't oh, even gonna... like like drinking alcohol for this exact reason. I've you could never up. have watched David Blaine's The Event, not David Blaine, David the other one, David Blaine's the fucking David Copperfield. Know. No, um, the British one. Oh, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, the, 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 the guy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> the no, guy who tr- tried to uh, make someone kill someone else on TV. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Why have I forgot Darren Brown? Darren Brown. That's his name, not David anything. Darren Brown. It doesn't matter. He this he does this. He does this on it was the guy who was like, I'm doing this for real. The go. events. Yes. He he <laughs> there are things he did where he was like, I'm going to hypnotize the audience in their TV and make them stick to their chairs and people like, well, I guess. I don't I had believe a that's true. I, I assume he did not do that. He did it. He went on TV and did it. And everyone okay. was like, well, that didn't necessarily work very well. Um, <laughs> I, for some reason, that I would watch that. That does not bother me one bit. I okay, probably so, wouldn't because it sounds kind of boring. But but the other the other things I remember he did was like he was like. <laughs> so I remember one of his shows. And this is, this is incredible. Is that he was going to do a whole show to convince four strangers to rob an armored van. Um, okay. And the way, but like the way he does this is that he goes through the whole method, and the most important part is selecting people who are disposed to rob an armored van. <laughs> <laughs> so like episode one, before any of the suggestion is like, okay, it's gonna be recruiting from like a, a business seminar of fucking annoying business people who want to get ahead and all suck, and then uh, the first thing I'm gonna have them do is make them rob like the store next door and i've told the store owner but they don't know i haven't and i've like sold it as like a confidence thing of just like rob one uh, kit kat uh and then they all go and rob a kit kat it's like, okay if they rob the kit kat they might stick up this heist uh and three out of four of them fucking robbed the van and, like this is this is this is how the united states catches terrorists <laughs> yes <laughs> of the special is like him doing like uh i would play a song that would just you know i the, the, i'd play a song that was like just do it and then the nike logo came up and it was just do it and everything was like just do it do it do it and then they would see the the guy walking past the van as he was taking out the the cash and they'd be like oh, i have an opportunity and then they totally robbed that guy and i'm like wow i don't think this counts as hypnosis if you just entrap them into doing the thing <laughs> uh the, the there was one where they tried to get someone to kill someone else okay. um and that was the i've never where heard of this guy before by the way i'm looking him up never seen him once so um it, uh, there's there's just ridiculous like extreme hypnotist stunts like this that are yeah. like more when you described out loud sound more outrageous than they are in like performance yeah um i know there was the one he did that was like I can predict the future and win horse racing. Uh, and there was a whole event where he was like uh, giving her the numbers to to bet on to win the horse racing ahead of schedule. Uh, and it was like live, right? So you, he was like, how, how's he doing this with the live horses? And then obviously at the end of the special reveals there were about 80 different people he was feeding numbers to and he, they only aired the one that was like correct every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, and he was like, ha I got you. I got you. And everyone was kind of annoyed at that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's Darren Brown Crash Course here on Rev Tree Screenings. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to send in emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about the movies we're covering or any other movie stuff. Uh, we appreciate it. Next time, we are watching Personal Shopper, the uh, 2017 All Olivier Assayas movie. Yeah. So look forward to that. Nobody here has seen it. I like him, though. Or I like Demon Lover. And you like uh, Irma Vep, right? Oh, I love Irma Vep. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his movies. I think those are the only two I've seen. I've seen Parisia Tam where he did a segment, and that's it. (laughs) Oh, did we see that together? Uh, It was 2006, so no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's it. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. Um, Sorry if you didn't, or don't celebrate. Thanks. <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Destiny, where can people find you? 
at Fridge Buzz Now, most places. And my other podcast, Battling Girls, should be coming back in January. You say. We say. Uh, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I am at HeadfallsOff on Twitter.com and co-host, uh, I guess also a blue sky, but haven't posted there in like three months. Um, you can find me uh, on the podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Whole bunch of cool podcasts there. Go listen to them. Um, I do appreciate that like, I kind of trended towards Blue Sky and you kind of trended towards uh, co-host in case Twitter does go up. Then we're covered on both. That's true. Um, do you do plugs on co-host? No, I do not. So you should probably do that. Probably you should do probably do that. <laughs> probably do that. <laughs> think, think the result to do in the new year. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. If you'd like to support our work, you can do that at patreon.com slash normal mapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project where we're finishing Double O Gundam and... Or no, sorry. Season 1 of Double O Gundam, starting Season 2. Uh, we're watching Reservoir Style. So for $5, you get blockbusters. We recently did an episode on G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. That's a great episode, even though it's not a good movie. Next month, we're watching The Fugitive, uh, which is going to be good, hopefully. Um, and also for $5, you get me playing Fantasy Tactics. Not this not this week, but next week I'll be back. I just, uh, I'm like, it's Christmas weekend. I'm allowed to chill. Um, you're allowed to take breaks now that it's no yeah. longer the one thing you're doing. Yeah. For $10, you get VoIP Life, where we mostly hang out and talk about some bullshit. Uh, the most recent episode actually does have some movie talk in it, though it's like really downer movie talk about uh, Steven Spielberg being a Zionist and Avatar 2 and being communist and still watching movies. <laughs> having ideology and caring about things and still watching movies. Uh, next Void Life will have much more lighthearted movie talk where I will be subject to a quiz of some kind that I actually won't announce. Oh, no, no, no. Next Void Life is uh, us talking about the movie King's Glaive, which that's is not a the terrible same, fucking thing. That's film. not the same. I have to wait another two weeks to do the thing I actually want to do. I have to yes, do it for... Yes, ah, yes, But I don't want to talk about Dawn of the Future. Fuck! God damn it. Okay, well, that'll be in another Void Life. Uh, anyway, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, Personal Shopper. Until then, movies! Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs> <laughs>